excited because today is the day we get to feature Mr. Cipriano Vigil. I am excited. Thank you, Thank you. so much for have for agreeing to speak with us with Vibe New Mexico. I said initially when we started this the first person that came to mind was definitely you. Just because Thank of you. you I just kind of want to go through this a little bit and and explain not that that you need quite an introduction. People know who you are throughout New Mexico. If they follow New Mexico folk music, you're the guru is what I like to say of New Mexico music when it comes to folk. This is um, Cipriano Vigil. He lives here in Nerrito. He grew up in Chamisal, correct? Right. He, um, let's see, received many master's degrees, taught music, was a professor at Northern New Mexico College for many years, mentored several, has presentations at I read at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. Right. Written many books, composed music, received many awards, and makes instruments. And not only that, but mentors and gives back to the youth constantly. And so I just want you, Mr. Hill, to please speak to us a little bit about, about your adventure and where this all began for you. Sure, of course. My pleasure. It all started at a very young age. I was so enthused with music and I just loved it so much, but I, I needed to uh, learn how to play. You know, I used to see musicians in my hometown playing and uh, I would go over and ask them to teach me and they would just chew me away, you know, ah, you're too young, get out of here. So I would threaten them. One of these days I'm gonna play better than you, I would tell them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally one of my older sister, Catherine, she went and bought me a, a guitar, and on that one I started teaching myself. Of course, before that, there was a gentleman there in, in Chamisal, Lalo, they used to call him, Pacheco. He used to lend me his guitar, but I would have to use it only at his house, you know. And uh, I would go over there, like let's say on a Wednesday night, I would play for a few hours at his house and then I'd go home. But then I started getting braver and asking him if I could borrow it to take it home on the weekend, like on Friday. And he would, I would have to bring back by Sunday. You know? So that's how I started. He taught me the first chord, the D chord. And from there, I just took off. And then I uh, started getting other instruments as well. And then, of course, my uh, love for music got really strong. And I used to perform when I was uh, well, probably in my 20s. I started playing in nightclubs and, and, uh, as a soloist. And then one time, I was playing at this club in Taos called the Loro del Barrio. And uh, as I was playing there, some lady walked in there and complimented me and asked me if I would do her a favor. I said, sure. She brought out this sheet music to me, asked me if I could play it for her. I looked at her, it looked like Chinese to me, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I never couldn't read music. I was self-taught by ear. I realized I had a, a weakness, so I decided to go to the university and uh, see if I could be able to uh, study music. You know. 
Of course, when I went to Highlands, I was a high school dropout, so they wouldn't allow me to go in. They said, you have to get either your GED or go back to school and get your diploma. So I heard about a GED program in Albuquerque at the TBI, a vocational school up there. So I went over there, and of course, they were about to finish with the program, but I was lucky that I got in, took the test, and I passed it by two points. Went back to Highlands and said, now you're going to let me in. From there, I started into a BA degree in music, music education, and then I was very fortunate that I got a scholarship to get a work on a master's degree with bilingual education and emphasis on folk music. And then uh, from there, I got a, a scholarship, uh, very fortunate that I was playing music at the at the park there in Las Vegas at the university, and uh, some people were do were sent from Mexico uh, by the president of Mexico, Cheveria at that time, to do a study in this country to be able to offer scholarships for minorities, Chicanos in other words, and uh, I was so fortunate that they approached me when they heard me playing. They asked me, they offered me a, a scholarship for five years to go study in Mexico, so I jumped at it right mm -hmm. away. We went to Mexico, studied, got another master's degree over there, and then I started working on my doctorate. But uh, I couldn't get a, complete my doctorate over there because they didn't have any uh, doctorates in my field, you know, either anthropology or history or medicine, but not in music. So came back, and I heard about a program in Albuquerque, in uh, California University, and uh, I applied for a doctoral degree and I got accepted and I submitted my dissertation within six months and it was approved on the first because they had never seen something like this on the folk music and that's the book that was a dissertation yeah. so it got published afterwards but uh, it opened my whole horizons in other words of music but the most important thing was that as I was learning and as I was educating myself I didn't want to keep it to myself they did it for the sole purpose of helping my 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 people. In other words, you know, younger generations, other uh, maybe people that couldn't make it other ways or couldn't do something like I started doing making a lot of bands. I used to join or or gather people together, join a band. Once they got started, I would take off and let them go on their own, and uh, I did many like this. You know, many several groups that I joined like that, and I started them and then took off and started another one just to be able to help the people, you know. And uh, and then, of course, I started documenting all this music by viejitos, you know, from, from all, over North, all over New Mexico. I traveled everywhere that I performed. I would always seek people out and uh, join, you know, get them to join us in music or to learn what they knew. And my my goal, I guess, was to immerse myself in all the music, all the roots of where it came from, why was it performed, so forth. You know. And uh, from there I learned about the folk dances, like La Cuna, Los Paños, and all these traditional folk dances that were danced here way before uh, the new era started coming in, and as well as the music, you know, like La Inditas, or that were done during the time when the Spanish colonial uh, era, you know, when the Spanish first came here, tried to settle with the, with the uh, indigenous people. And uh, of course, they brought all these styles of music, like the romances, and then the corridos came in from Mexico and so forth. Well, I learned all of that, but I, like I said, I wanted to share it. 
and so I decided to document it, and it became a book. And uh, and now it makes it easier because I can disseminate this music a lot more, you know, to the to the people. And, and the importance was because that's uh, those were our roots, and I realized that. Uh, a lot of these knowledgeable people about this traditional folk music were dying off real quick, you know, and nobody was documenting because they were just passed down orally. So I, I saw it as a, as a must, in other words. So when I started documenting, I did it for the sole purpose of posterity. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that younger generations in the future, like my kids or my grandchildren or their children and so forth, would be able to know about our culture about a history of our, of our culture through the music you know, right. and the dances, of course, you know, because that's a major part of our culture. Mm -hmm. uh, you're probably familiar that in every culture, like Mexicanos, you always hear music mm -hmm. from Mexico. Well, we're part of that culture as well, you know. Or in Spain, all they're doing, if they're in a bar, whatever, there's music. And, uh, but then I noticed a trend uh, that things were coming in, like from Spain, from Mexico, the flamenco, the mariachi, getting very stronger. And our music, the folk traditional folk music of New Mexico, was being diminished. So I thought I was fighting tooth and nail, like they say, to be able to keep this music alive right. and to be able to have it in or stand along with all the rest, not be suppressed or not be done away with, etc. It definitely feels like through the years we we have that spirit going strong still. Puedes explicar que es folk music o música folk especialmente para nosotros aquí en Nuevo México. Folk music is exactly what is it? It's a story. Es la música de la gente. Es la historia de la gente. It's the stories of the people. You know, the, that's our story. That's our DNA. In other words, la música is part of our DNA in, in Nuevo México. Uh, the older people, you know, uh, when according to my grandfather, uh, Cipriano Dominguez, my mom's dad, he, uh, he used to tell me stories that when they were young, there were no schools. My grandmother only went up to the third grade, and mm -hmm. that was it. My grandfather, I don't know if he ever went to school, mm -hmm. but uh, he used to tell me that their form of education was telling stories and through music. And that's how they educate. And I remember as a little boy sitting by the fireplace with my grandparents, and they would tell us stories about La Llorona, or, mm -hmm. but there was also about the music too, you know. So, so it's, it's part of our culture. That's our culture, really. That's, our culture. Uh, and that's why it's so important. So what I really know about the music is it it's brings us together. Like the food, the music... Our traditions, our culture, everything, it brings us together, and it's the richness of who we are. And most definitely when you say the music is like like a story that brings us together and how we learned that way. That's how I remember my grandmother saying everything was a story or a corrido. Or some, right. or the, and today it feels like we we need to do more to preserve that. And so it was so important for me to be able to interview you so that we can continue to educate people and they know, especially our children, and what you've done by going into the schools and helping the, the children connect with their culture by using their hands and making guitars. So um, what we were... Where I can we, elaborate a little bit on yes, that. Yes, please. Uh, one, when I... Uh, 
after I retired from the community college, I was a professor there of music, started a, a music program, and uh, developed several uh, degrees in music. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I left there, when I retired, I wanted to be able to have impact on the younger generation, on the younger kids, you know, not the college students, you know, I had already worked with them. So I uh, came up with this idea about a cigar box guitar, because my dad used to make violins out of cigar boxes. And he had left a box there, and I, one day I thought, what can I do with it? So I thought of a guitar, and I made it, worked out really well. So I decided to take the idea to uh, the school. So I went to San Juan Elementary. A friend of mine was the principal there. We had been together at college, and uh, I asked her, what, or gave her the idea about a cigar box guitar, and they said, let's try it in a plan. So we started with 25 students, and we saw, oh, the kids were just so enthused about it. And uh, from there, it just got like wildfire. It started going through every school was in demand. Mm -hmm. was calling me. I had to turn down lots of schools. I would tell them, I'll see you next semester because I'm working with these schools and so forth. But uh, started with just 25 students, and I ended up making probably close probably over 3,500 guitars with the kids in all the schools. And uh, not only did I teach them uh, how to be able to be creative, see, because uh, I opened up that creativity in their minds by creating something from scratch, you know. Of course, I was guiding them, you know, but they were getting that hands-on experience, which is an experience that they'll never forget, you know. Exactly. And then, uh, and then they, they were so happy, you know, they were building something themselves and then when they finished them I would teach them how to play them mm -hmm. you know I would go and teach them how to play them and then get the whole group in the gymnasium at the end you know and do a program for their parents how and uh, I would use the the song and play La Llorona for them yeah. and they would back me up you know oh, and they loved it and another thing that I would do since I have quite a collection of musical instruments I would take one or two instruments every time that I met with them so that to expose them to a different instrument and give them the history of it, the origin, the rationale of why it was built and what kind of music was played on and so forth. And so I was educating them in, in, in a twofold way. One, by doing building some themselves, and other, by learning about other musical instruments. And like I said, every school was asking, uh, requesting me, you know, that for me to go to the schools, and I would tell them, I'd go, but I'd have to do like three or four classes uh, per school, you know. And or to, sometimes I would do two schools at the same time, one day, mm -hmm. one school, one the other, the next day. You were busy. I was busy. And so in you a way, were actually saying you were working on doing kits for kids, right? Now with COVID or with them going back, getting some kits for kids? Well, uh, right now, after this pandemic uh, put a stop to all of this, I had to come up with another idea to continue feeding those kids in other words exactly feeding that uh, that creativity or or getting that hands-on experience so i develop uh, some dvds mm -hmm. of us how to assemble them wow. so i'm starting to make kids now that i could be able to maybe the, if uh, of course if the funding to the education goes through and the schools can be able to purchase the kids for the kids you know for them the kids for them and then the kids will have a DVD that they can watch, since all of them have computers anyway, they could be able to see and go over, over, and over, and be able to, to 
assemble them themselves. The reason I think that is so important, especially today, is because sometimes within the schools they don't fund the the music. I know that's very sad because the first thing that goes in the music in the schools are the arts, the yeah. music and the arts, and and yet. They're saying that they want to produce a well-rounded student, but they're leaving out one of the main ingredients, which is the arts and the music, because that's a very disciplinary art, you know, in itself. And you're that's right. crea what creates a left brain. Mm -hmm. That, uh, and it's and it's also not only disciplinary in the form of education, edu educating them, but also in behavior. I mean, you know, an artist, a musician, a singer, whatever, they're uh, you know they have something to look forward to rather than, you know, like other kids that end up getting in drugs and this. And that was one of my, another goal of mine, to be able to help kids so they wouldn't get into that, get into drugs and, and you know, mess up their life. Right. If I gave them an incentive to do something. You know? Exactly. And right now, you know, like when we go to Walmart or like that, kids see me over there and they run up to me and they hug me. Yeah. <laughs> they call me the music man. Oh, <laughs> and that is even just... It's such an honor that you're within our community working in such a high-risk community to help these children that might even come from broken homes find exactly. that hope. And they can look at that guitar later on and do exactly what you said and find that inspiration to to remember and to maybe even pick up music right. and then continue the tradition of the folk music. Exactly, right. And that's why it brings us together as a community, that music definitely does bring us together, and that's why it's so important for us today oh, yes. to be able to make those connections. I figured that if, uh, of all the students, you know, of every class that I used to go, I used to think, if I could say one or two from each class, I've done something good, you know. But my expectation was more than that. Right. And, uh, and all these kids were really good kids, you know. I really enjoyed working with them. And... Uh, that was, in Spanish, mi recompensa, mm -hmm. my reward, you know. The money, you know, I wasn't in there for the money or anything uh, because the schools hardly have any money. Mm -hmm. But I was there to serve the kids, you know, to help the kids somehow in, in any way I could, you know. And the means of music was the only one that I could think of that I could be able to help them out. But in the long run, it, like you say, it would help the community as well. And also it would maintain our culture. We would keep our, our culture together in a sense, especially with the influx of different cultures coming in, you know, bombarding us from, from every different culture with their music, with their art, with their food, whatever. But yet ours has to be able to stand along with, along together with all of them, you know. Oh, I love that you said that. Do you feel that we've de detoured away from the importance of our culture and the tradition within our music? Oh yes, definitely. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm i not surprised, but I, I'm in awe when I see these uh, Chicanitos, as I call them, you know, uh, with their boom boxes playing rap music, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> rather than their, their traditional folk music. Right, you know? right. Or that's what I say, the bombardment of other cultures coming in mm -hmm. and it's doing away with our culture, with our uh, roots, with our background, you know. But, and that's why, why I strive to be able to keep it alive, you know. And, of course, by myself, I couldn't do it. So that's why I go out to the schools and touch the kids, teach them how to play the cigar box guitar, teach them some songs like La Llorona or something, mm -hmm. and uh, in hopes that uh, they can continue themselves maybe someday. And I know it has happened. Some of my students are out there performing. 
there's a student that comes to mind, David uh, Garcia. I don't know if you Professor. know him. He was one of my yeah. students since he was 13 years old. Yeah. And, oh, wow. Uh, he wanted to be another Cipriano, and he is. He's a very yeah. versatile in instruments as well and uh, quite a musician. He's yeah. amazing. Actually, he's he. We do want to talk with him, and yeah. I. Oh yes, I, I can't wait. You. And he's such a sweet, sweet, sweet guy yeah. Yeah. too, and very yeah. down to earth. Yeah, he is, and uh, and there's another one from Truchas, uh, uh, Jeremiah Martinez. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll see all these musicians. They they went through my classes, and, uh, and they're so lucky. And, they're so lucky. And, uh, so I've touched so many lives. You know, there's a tell share a little story with you. A friend of mine. Uh, his son was killed in an automobile accident, and he was devastated. And him and his wife were living by themselves. Their daughter had gotten married, but anyway, he didn't know what to do. So one day, his wife told him, "Why don't you go to the college and see? Maybe you can take a class or two." He came to me. I changed his whole life. He's now quite an awesome musician. Wow. And. Uh, he told me at the time, if I hadn't been for you, I don't know what I would have done. He kept saying, and uh, well, he honored me so many times, you know, saying that I I rescued him, in other words, you know, because he was like going downhill. And through music, I was able to lift him up, and and uh, now he performs all over as, as well. You know. See, and and I he's think was also teaching. He went and got his degrees and started teaching as well. You're so. an awesome musician, an awesome teacher mentor, youth guider, but I think above all of that, what you're saying is you've given so many people hope and you've given so many people something to stand on. And that is why, Senor Vigil, I think you're a icon here in New Mexico music, especially with the folk music. And I just can't tell you how excited I was to say, oh my gosh, guess who who confirmed? Cipriano Vigil confirmed and people already know because with, with our group, what we talk about is trying to preserve that culture and that heritage with, especially because we have four children and it's important for them to know exactly. who we are and how we, exactly. how you know, the culture, the tradition of who we are. Yeah. And it's kind of hard because you, like you said, the other cultures coming in kind right. of, they hear all these other things and they kind of sometimes forget. But what's amazing is that they can come back if they've been planted, those seeds have been planted, right. they can come back and remember because exactly. they hear Kedi said, they know a song or exactly. they hear um, La Llorona, the song, and they can put it together with the tale of, oh, you yeah. know. Like these kids are going to remember, you know, when they grow up as adults, They'll look back to, or those that have their guitars, mm-hmm. they'll they'll remember it. And every time they see it, they'll remember this, you know, because I was able to touch their lives, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense, you know. And uh, even like my kids, uh, I started my son and my daughter when they were like uh, five and seven years old. Oh, wow. Started teaching them how to play instruments, mm-hmm. you know. Their first concert was up at the La Golondrinas in Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all dressed up in colonial style, you know, Spanish wow. colonial. And uh, they were scared. I wanted <laughs> to get on stage with me to perform. And they started crying. And so <laughs> I, I got a little mad at them and told them, you got to get up on stage. And they were crying, but they got up and they were crying <laughs> and playing. And my daughter was playing the, the cuatro, and my son was playing the maracas. Mm. And when people came over, the audience, they saw what they were doing was so beautiful, they started throwing money at them. Oh. And my son opened his eyes, and <laughs> without missing a beat, he got both maracas in one hand, started picking up the money. 
put it in his pocket. And my daughter, she couldn't, so she kept looking at me. I told, don't worry, you're going to share it. <laughs> they made like $85, and they asked me, I asked you, what do you want to do with him? Take us to Toys R Us. <laughs> I did, you know. Yeah. And I let them buy a few things with them. But after that broke the ice. After that, they would my pen. Papa, when are we going to go play again? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's true. Our son played basketball, and he he loved basketball. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying anything negative about the sports because it as well no, serves its purpose. That's a good thing, too. But uh, he... He he didn't make the team and he was devastated. Well, my husband he's been a musician and it's put it's put bread on our table many times. Yeah. And I told him, you know, you might not make money with a ball, but you probably can. You make money playing an instrument. And yeah. now he plays music and that's Good. his passion. And it's true because it provides for a lot of families here in New Mexico oh, yes. as well. Oh, so yes. it's a lot more than just just music. It's it's a lot more than just a song. It's something that people can bring. It's, it's a livelihood a as well. A livelihood yeah. and bring That's been my livelihood for mm-hmm. many years. You know. mm-hmm. uh, like I said, when we were at Highlands, when I was going to Highlands, my wife, I remember, i never forget that. Once in a while, I rub it into it. She would open the refrigerator, all there was, there was a bowl of beans, you know, and uh, my mother used to make us tortillas. And uh, for days in and days out, you know, that's all we had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and she would say, "Mentina, come in on my frijoles." And then one when we got out, and I started teaching, uh, I bought a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. She was driving it one day, and I, told, I started rubbing it. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I told her when, when you were tell me that I had to start it, and now you're driving a big Cadillac. <laughs> But you know no, that it is a livelihood, you know. And you know, my children, when I started, uh, I started first teaching them gospel music, mm-hmm. and we do we did record a gospel CD. And there's one song where they sing when they were real kids, oh. real small, real young. And then, of course, we used to go to the different churches, all mm-hmm. over the churches, and performing, mm-hmm. and uh, for gospel music. I mean, that's something that we love to do yeah. as well. You know. And when you mentioned that you uh, sang for a group called Divino, is that a Christian group? And it, you know what? I want to say it is because we do the traditional music and we kind of incorporate some newer stuff. But we always end with the Corredor de Dios and we always Good. end with Un Día La Vez and oh, we yeah. tell people, you know, the message is to preserve our culture roots right. and our faith. And that's why it has the name Divino. It's because right. we stand on family, faith, and tradition. And so that's why, for me, it was just so important to make sure that we could sit down and talk to you because we know that's what your your platform is and what you use. Because I we follow, I followed you for many years just because you're such an awesome, like I say, guru for us, you know, as far as preserving you know, our culture. When I started recording my CDs, all the CDs I have have a message. Mm-hmm. Behind it, you know. and when I when I used to take I used to take them to Kedisa radio station, mm-hmm. and they would tell me they couldn't play them because they were too religious, and they weren't religious; they were just a message, of course, you know, and uh, which based on true life, true facts, you know, like for example, La Bola Blanca, a mm-hmm. song that I wrote about a true story that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my love for music when I was about eight years old, living in Chamisal. The dances used to be in Peñasco, which is three miles from Chamisal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would sneak out of the house. Of course, my mom wouldn't let me go out mm-hmm. to the dances at that age. You know? But I would sneak out of the house, and I would go to Peñasco, 
and listen to a musician, not listen, not dance or anything. I would take a little notepad, a little pencil, and I would stand in front of the musicians. And I would take notes. I would draw the neck of the guitar, and I would take notes where they place their fingers, how they strummed it. Then I would run home, and I tried it on my old up guitar. You know. Well, this one time, I was going, it was, I lost all my rights because my mom wouldn't let me go, and I finally had to sneak out. Uh, it was dark already, and between Chamisala and Peñasco, there's this creek called Arroito de Agua. And viejitos, like my grandparents and other viejitos, used to say that things used to come out there at night. And uh, as I was walking and I was approaching that creek, I started, saw this white ball in the middle of the road. And, and I said, that's ah, probably a cat. And I started chewing it away. The thing wouldn't budge. I said, no problem. I'll walk around to this side. That thing moved in front of me. I started getting <laughs> scared. <laughs> so I said, I'll see if I can outrun it to this, and I couldn't. So I, I ran back home as fast as I could. Mm -hmm. I was scared, made a shortcut through fields and fences, torn my shirt, got home. When I got home, my mamacita was waiting for me with a belt in there. <laughs> <laughs> but then I told her what had happened, yeah. and I wrote a song about that. You know, wow. About that story. It's called La Bola Blanca del Arroyo de Agua. Wow. And... Uh, that one, they used to play it for a while, and then they said it was too religious because they had some messages. And uh, However, that's what our music started about, with. That's the, see, all the music uh, is, has a story. That mm -hmm. guy, like I said, has a message. Some messages, uh, or some of them are uh, corridos. Like corridos are true facts, things that took place, events mm -hmm. that took place. See, the original uh, corrido, how it originated way back when, was that uh, there was no newspapers at that time, no radio station or anything. So the only way they could take the news from one community to another was through songs, through the corrido, or through the romance. Of course, the romances were mostly tragedy, you know, like uh, romances of, from Spain, where the king was in lust with his own daughter, you know, and uh, trying to seduce his own daughter. Those were romances that, but they made their way into this part of the world, you know. Mm -hmm. And then the corridos told stories or told the truth, in other words, events about horse races, or got, man got killed, or and now the corridos, the more popular ones, are like automobile accidents where a person that's very likable or very popular gets killed. Mm -hmm. They write a corrido about that. You know? right. Corridos about the Watergate scandal, corridos about <laughs> everything, you know, mm -hmm. Kennedy assassination and mm -hmm. all this. The Tijerinas, Ray Lopez the thing, and there was a corrido written about him. And I have on that... Uh, book on the CDs collection, I have uh, recordings of the rituals. Then I have the recordings of the corridos, the romances, the inditas, the uh, trovos, all this, uh, uh, and then the history, and then examples of it. I'm so excited. And so, and that has helped me a lot to be able to, to disseminate our culture. And that was the whole rationale about it, so that people would know about our culture. And uh, UNM Press saw the value of it. Oh, most and definitely. The Endowment for the Humanities also saw the, and uh, In fact, that's why I got those awards there. Yeah. One, the, one was the, uh, what do they call that, the highest award in the state of New Mexico, the, me uh, mente, I can't remember the title of it. Uh, Platinum Award. The Platinum. Yeah, Platinum. I did read that on the, yeah. yeah. One mm -hmm. of them. And the other one is the, uh, I don't know if it's the Governor's Award or what. I've gotten so many awards. You have, and I think they're very well deserved. I mean, I just. And I mean, those are accolades, but I, 
that wasn't my intent, you know, to be famous or get awards. My intent was just to be able to share my music with Which is why you've touched so many people's lives. I think when you do things with a pure heart, it goes further. And that's why you've just, like I said, for me, this is, yeah, you're a celebrity. I wanted to ask you another question. I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the the changes COVID has brought, especially within the music scene? And how do you feel about the dismantling of our historical monuments and of our history? Um, first, on the pandemic, uh, it has changed the music scene quite a lot, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, an example, me, uh, I was performing almost every weekend you know, in different places in the state or even out of state. Uh, since this happened, I haven't done a single gig. You know, they had to cancel uh, so many performances that I had scheduled through the Endowment for the Humanities as a Zatakwa speaker, they call it, where I would go in and do presentations of the history of the folk music and performance at the same time in all the schools. All that got canceled. And, and that's very, very sad because uh, people are losing out on this, you know, and uh, yeah. and then of course it's also affecting those people that make this their livelihood, their way of eating, you know, their way of sustaining themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I know musicians that are out of work now, or bands, you know, that can't play because because of this. You know, it's it's, it's sad, you know. I hope things do change, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, on the second one, that. I don't know. I can see it from both sides. Right. You know, I see that the destruction of our history, even if it's good or bad, is still history. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's where we came from, where we are now. You know, uh, I can see from one side how people are are bringing the past now when they should have forgotten about it. You know, forget about it. It's already in the past. And then just move forward, you know. But uh, I can see from from one culture, like let's like say for the indigenous culture, not wanting the Oñate, because of what what Oñate did or was when he was here. From the other part, from I see it from the Spanish uh, people, the the Chicanos here, you know, that's where the roots are from. Tawin is from Spain, so I don't know. I guess I'm neutral in that because I, I can't uh, say wh- which one is wrong. You know. I agree with you. I think like sometimes what happens is they want to put us in a corner because they say, "Well, you're Hispanic. You should be in this corner." Right. But yeah. we have to be able to move forward in a way that we look at both, both sides exactly. of the story. Yeah. So. And all cultures need to come together. Right. If we're going to be able to survive in this world, we have to, right. you know, see this separation of cultures. Uh, that's what used to keep us uh, apart at one time. And then uh, when other cultures were coming over, they wanted to to become part of us. The only way they could do it was through the music, through the food, through the uh, things that we had in our culture, and everybody was sharing, and it was flourishing. Exactly. And that's the whole, I believe, the whole intent of what God wanted, you know. Right. That uh, for everybody to be, doesn't matter what color, what race or right. you are, you know. But see, now it seems like the separation, the racism is coming in, uh, prejudice and uh, all the isms that are terrible, you know. And if it, if it doesn't change 
is going to continue separating and and it's going to destroy people from within as well you know right that's my belief i don't know and if anything it shouldn't tear our culture apart but it should make us stronger and something to stand on exactly. i think the division that might have happened back when Onyata came in, it's still happening in, in different ways because of the spirit that was left within here. Right. But we have a responsibility now, just like you carrying on the music, to do the same thing, but also to carry on the unity and the brotherhood with right. one another. Now that we're all together, even though other cultures have come in, we do have more of a responsibility in a lot of ways as well to share who we are. But how we do that, I think, is important. Right. I, yeah, I believe, you know, like, let's say, for example, the uh, the Negro, the blacks, uh, they're bringing back the past of when they were uh, slaves. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's why they want to get rid of all the uh, uh, statues, the people that had slaves or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. But that's in the past. Why not? And besides, the generation that are now, it wasn't their fault. Right. It was probably fault of their ancestors, but... Mm -hmm. But that was their ancestors, not not them, you know. So people now should realize this, you know, that what's in the past is in the past and just continue forward and try and unite in everybody together. And I think this life would be so beautiful in that respect. But, but of course, it's we predicted in the Bible yeah. that it's going to wax worse and worse. So. Mm -hmm. we ha yeah, we have to buckle our seatbelts. But we have to just keep our faith and uh, be strong, like you say. You know? Yeah. Um, Mr. V, would you sing another song and play another song for us? Of course. <laughs> Thank glad you. To. Let me see which one will be. I'll do this one that's called El Hombre Que Más Te Amó. You said you have, you guys have children. Mm -hmm. Well, the man in the children's life loves them the most is the father. I noticed it was out of tune a while ago. It still sounded pretty. <laughs> Recuerdas al viejo 
que el cebrio grupo por ti si de él quisieras un beso y ya no me encuentro aquí a tu madre pide uno de tantos que yo le di cuida por donde caminas que no vale tu pie procura seguir mis pasos donde firme caminé y evita topar con piedras con las que yo tropecé cuando extrañes a tu padre que al cielo se fue con Dios si quisieras abrazarlo y demostrarle tu amor los besos que eres a tu hijo allá los recibo yo y un día recuerdas al viejo quien se preocupó por ti él quisieras un beso y ya no me encuentro aquí 